There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America and it's brilliant to be back to you, with you again and uh, once again thanks to Owen O'Sullivan, the composer who um, created that amazing intro music uh, for the show that we've recently added if, it, if you're listening uh, and the music has changed. So um, brilliant to um, be back again and I'd love to first thank uh, Stephen Morris who interviewed uh, me last week with Gene Early who was one of the uh, or the person who launched uh, NLP, if you're familiar with that, across Europe and uh, has set up a genomic, genomic research company and various other things. And we've been doing some work together on elevating leadership. And uh, last week was uh, part two of an interview that we were doing about some of our thinking around uh, you know, how leaders can take their leadership uh, to uh, the next level. And it was interesting this week, I got the opportunity to test some of that content when I spoke in a beautiful place. It was called the Carlson Club in London, which was founded by the Conservative Party in 1832. So I was surrounded by paintings and busts of British leaders like Disraeli and Margaret Thatcher. And I shared the essence of the model and the key sort of points around it. And I was I was quite stunned by the feedback uh, from the group um, called the Fides Fellowship. So thank you to them uh, for um, engaging with me on that uh, subject. It just feels right now that elevating leadership is just, you know, so, so important in this world. Uh, the truth is we, we need to seek truth as leaders. And I think, you know, Greta Lundberg, really, uh, the, the young, uh, the young a girl from, lady from um, Scandinavia who reminded politicians and business people that uh, we're not looking after the planet and politicians are you know, making um, – you know, the planet, they're ignoring that for political means and uh, businesses are maybe uh, not do, do focusing appropriately. They're maybe trying to make money, whereas we need to be listening to the scientists. She was identifying a truth there. And I think leaders need to seek truth. And in fact, you know, leaders need their eyes wide open. And that leads me nicely to my guest today, Isaac Lidsky. Now, quite a serendipitous experience as to why uh, Isaac's on the show today. Uh, my guest today came to my attention when I was coaching a client of mine, a mindset nutrition and health coach, Jane Mystery, who's moving her life forward, having lost her eyesight at the age of 18. And I asked her, I said, who in the world would you most like to speak to? Who has inspired you? Who's maybe been through, you know, a little bit, you know, what you've been through and has really triumphed. And she said, Isaac Lidsky. So I then spoke to John Livesay, um, the keynote speaker and author and coach who's based in Los Angeles, who, I recently interviewed on the show, and he interviewed me recently too, uh, about, um, uh, he just asked me what I've been doing, and I mentioned Jaina to him, and he said, I think I should introduce you. I've got a friend called Isaac Lidsky, and uh, I, I couldn't believe that. And then when I explained, he couldn't believe it either. And within an hour, uh, Jaina had a, a sort of a commitment to have a conversation with Isaac, so it was just brilliant. Um, but let me just share a, a little bit of uh, Isaac's uh, CV. Um, Isaac um, was reported by Azinc 
um, as possessing possibly the most eclectic resume in business. He was the series regular on Weasel, if you remember, Saved by the Bell. Uh, the new class, uh, which actually some of my my British friends also were were fans of as well, including my assistant Hazel. She was going, "Oh, Weasel! I can't believe it!" And he graduated from um, Harvard College at the age of nineteen, and then from Harvard Law School with incredible honors. He served as a Supreme Court law clerk to two justices. Was a Justice Department litigator. Um, undefeated. He founded a tech startup. He sold that for a, 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 a modest $230 million, uh, turned a failing construction subcontract into a highly profitable construction services company, 10 times louder, larger. He founded Hope for Vision, which is a nonprofit that funds the development of treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Um, and uh, his, his main stage TED Talk uh, speech was viewed more than a million times in his first three weeks. And his book, Eyes Wide Open, is a New York Times, US Today indie bestseller, was named one of the Washington Post's top 10 leadership uh, books to read in 2017. Now, when I, we talk to Isaac, you know, I want you to realize Isaac uh, will talk uh, about Isaac's eyesight. And I want you to realize that Isaac's work um, is... You know, it may be inspiration for people who've triumphed over sight loss, but you know, in talking to Isaac, what I really get is um, is Isaac's wisdom and his success. He's an absolute inspiration to anybody. So I just wanted to get that mes- message across. Um, we can all really learn so much from him. Um, he lives in Windermere, Florida, with his wife, Dorothy, and four lovely children. So a huge welcome to Isaac Litsky. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, you're very welcome. I realise that you might be a little bit sleepy at the moment because you've uh, had a little a bit of a um, a tiring day yesterday. Yes, exactly. The, it's <laughs> one of the one of the absolute uh, blessings of having written my book and done the TED Talk is the opportunity to travel the world and share my message and share my vision with folks, which is great. It does involve a lot of uh, of uh, airline travel and the occasional red eye, which I don't do very well with. I'm always jealous of those folks who just pop right off the plane, sort of fresh to tackle the day. But um, that doesn't seem to be in my in my DNA. Uh, no, it, I, I find uh, flying just uh, throws you, particularly going across time zones as well. For sure, um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and you've got to kind of factor that in, haven't you? When you work overseas or you're working a distance away, it might be that you, you're going somewhere to speak for an hour or, or you know, it doesn't seem very long, but actually it can have an impact on the days, the, the day following um, as well. Absolutely. No, it's a bit of a, a chess game to keep the, keep the schedule intact. So, so tell me, what was your life like as a, as a child, and how did that lead to being Weasel on Saved by the Bell, which uh, I, I believe was a huge TV show in the States? So how, how did that happen? Yeah, so I, I really you know, sort of grew up uh, living the uh, proverbial you know, Hollywood fairy tale, right? I mean, I was blessed uh, uh, to be born to a middle-class family in America, so you know, right off the bat, I never had to worry about food or, or, or shelter, uh, healthcare, uh, clothing, et cetera. Um, I was blessed with a you know, powerful intellect. School came easy, easy to me, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and the Hollywood part, I mean literally. So I, 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 um, I did a diaper commercial when I was about six months old. Um, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have three older sisters who had all acted a bit. So by the time I was born, my mom was pro in the industry, knew all the agents and managers. And so, you know, like I said, I did that you know, diaper commercial six months old, probably did somewhere between 100 and 150 commercials growing up. Got the... Uh, 
you know, uh, big parts and small things and the small parts and big things. And then my, uh, my lucky break, as you mentioned, was, uh, was when I was cast as Barton Weasel Wiesel on, on, on Saved by the Bell, the new class. Yeah. When I was, uh, 13 years old. Wow. So you were really, you became a very famous child at 13. How did you yeah, do that? it was, it was, it was, it was a neat experience. I moved from, uh, from my hometown of Miami out to Los Angeles to act on this show and, and found myself, uh, you know, in the midst of this sort of world of, you know, quote unquote, uh, celebrity, uh, being recognized as I went about my business and getting fan mail and those kinds of things it was super, uh, neat, very interesting experience. Um, ultimately, uh, not one that, uh, frankly, I enjoyed too much. Not, not one that seemed like a great uh, call for me personally for, 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 to make a life. Um, but it was a neat experience that I'm glad I got to have. Um, you know, also around that time, I was diagnosed with my, with my blinding eye disease. So um, it was exciting to really sort of reach a you know, dream come true in terms of my childhood acting career to kind of you know, hit that, that point of culmination and you know, get to move out to Los Angeles and do a sitcom. But um, also had a lot of other stuff on my mind because, yes, I said I had I had you know, right around that time been diagnosed with this blinding disease and you know told that uh, told that I should prepare uh, to go blind essentially. And how how did you deal with that? So you know, at first, uh, at first, I was overwhelmed uh, by a lot of fear. Uh, you know, I was told that I was going to lose my sight really in advance of any symptoms. Right, so I'm a 13, 14 year old kid. I wind up seeing this vision uh, expert, uh, largely because one of my sisters was having some issues with her sight. Um, and, and so then this, this news really came out of nowhere as far as I was concerned. Um, and, uh, you know, fear, fear took over. And it so often uh, happens when we're you know, sort of in the face of ignorance, fear just kind of, uh, fear can be very convincing. So I, I told myself all sorts of awful lies about how uh, blindness was going to ruin my life. Um, uh, and at the time, I really believed them. Looking back now, it's, it's painful to admit it. Uh, but at the time, you know, I I, I thought blindness was going to, you know, was going to really be the end of life as I knew it. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, you know, was this a was this a process that you had a little bit of time to adjust to? Then it was over a few years. But but yeah, so imagine. so you know, the, the sight loss occurred you know, roughly over about 10 or 12 years, I guess, you know, ish. So from like my mid teens to kind of mid to late twenties, uh, was really what I lost sort of substantially all, if not all of my, of my sight. Uh, you know, the, the sort of mentally once, once I was able to make that sort of shift of, uh, uh, you know, I am not a, uh, sighted person terrified of losing sight and sort of clinging all clinging to whatever, uh, sort of tortured, images i can i can still concoct um but but instead i'm a you know whole safe human being that's uh you know going to do everything i want to do in my life uh despite you know a blinding eye disease uh and i still got a little bit of sight left but you know, so what uh, so once i was able to make that mental transition um you know really is what i when i like to sort of say i, I kind of broke fears fear spell it's really when i kind of conquered the, the the mind game of it all uh for myself um uh, uh, and, 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 uh, yeah, like I said, that was, that was kind of when, uh, rather than sort of succumbing to the reality that my fears were dictating the sort of awful, uh, life I assumed I was destined to live. Um, I really chose to, 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 you know, chose to live the life I wanted for myself and decided who I wanted to be and how I wanted to confront this challenge. And so, you know, it took, it's, it's, 
it took 12 years. It happened in one day. I mean, I mean both of those things are true. Neither is true. It, it's, it's hard to say, but it was, it was definitely a process. And for me, um, you know, I guess the, the short version, uh, if it's, if it's not too late for a short version is that, you know, go, going blind was a heck of a lot harder than, than it is to just be blind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so it sounds like there was a lot of inner work that you, you had to do really to delving in, in, in digging deep and understanding yourself and reprogramming your thoughts about it. Uh, yeah, there's, know. there's no, there's no two ways about it in a remarkable way. Uh, for me, However, the sort of the, the, the disease was kind of itself also the cure. Um, you, you, what I mean by that is so I, I, I lost my sight sort of progressively in this very bizarre way, as I was suggesting before, it, it would produce these odd uh, visual effects. Objects would kind of appear and morph and, and disappear. And uh, it was a sort of a, a frustrating, uh, active process to kind of try to piece together uh, visual clues and stuff. And so in this in this experience of slowly losing my sight and kind of seeing this this sort of this illusion of sight kind of break down. Um, it really was, you know, if you'll pardon the pun, like a, a, an eye opening sort of uh, experience for me and, and a unique, a unique blessing. I think ultimately one of the best things that ever happened to me because I mean, I saw quite directly the way in which uh, sight, which is this magical experience that we, you know, we, we perceive it, you know, we, we experience sight as this, passive thing that we just you open your eyes and there's the world it's this sort of direct objective representation of truth or whatever um when uh you know the truth is the complete opposite uh, sight is this totally subjective virtual experience that you create for yourself and your brain uh that has far more to do with uh uh you know memories opinions emotions uh your, your mental constructs uh than, than than even data from the eyes um and so uh, you know, we, we, we literally create, we create the realities of experience and we believe them to be true. That that's, that's what sight is. Um, and, and in the process of losing my sight, I got to see that firsthand. Uh, and then of course realize that that's, uh, that dynamic is largely, is just really largely true of, of sort of the human experience writ large, right? I mean, that, that is the human experience. We create the realities we experience that we, you know, we, we, we create the realities that we then, uh, you know, experiences our own truths. Uh, and if we're, uh, if we're not careful, if we don't do it with awareness and purpose, uh, then, you know, we can let our, our fears and our anxieties and our, uh, uh, you know, self doubts and our, you know, and our, and our critics, uh, sort of govern our lives. But if we, uh, if we can do it with awareness and with purpose and with intention, then, you know, we have the ultimate power, right? We, we literally get to choose who we want to be in every moment of every day. Yeah. Yeah. But, but very powerful. So your, so your, your mind is working in a much more positive and productive way. Um, to to enable you to to move towards what you want, um, rather than being kind of blinded by what you see and the assumptions that you make. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I'm going to kind of intrigued. You were this childhood actor. Obviously, you had this experience in your 19s and 20s, which must have been been challenging. But you know, you surely you could have continued acting, but you decided to go into law. Uh, what? Why did you do that? The law by way of uh, math and computer science first. So I, I've been I've been blessed to kind of uh, uh, take a meandering path here and there. I, yeah, when I, after my experience in Los Angeles, and in part because of the diagnosis, but also just in part, frankly, because of my experience in Los Angeles, I, I just sort of decided that acting was not going to be like a great long-term career for me. It wasn't going to be a great industry uh, or business for me. And so I wound up uh, leaving Los Angeles, applied to college, I was a bit young. I was uh, I turned sixteen a couple of weeks before 
uh, before I headed off to college, um, graduated college um, uh, pretty young with, 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 with a degree in math, computer science. And then my, sort of my first move was to do this ad, uh, internet advertising technology business. So in, in 99, when I graduated from Harvard, my, uh, uh, my brother-in-law and I started this, this ad tech company. We, you know, in those days, we thought, oh, we'll put a spreadsheet together and have a business plan and you know, raise some money, and on paper, we'll be you know, billionaires overnight. Um, and it, it, unfortunately, we got in. Uh, we got in just as the party was ending, uh, just as the uh, proverbial bubble was bursting. So, um, so that 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 was the first stop. Um, and then, sort of, law school came uh, came after that. Excellent. We've got um, just a couple of minutes till commercial commercial sure. break now. Um, but again, that must have been quite an achievement to get into Harvard. I mean, that's not an easy place to get into. I was I was very lucky to have the opportunity to study there. I think the whole you know childhood actor thing probably helped, and my grades were pretty good. And and uh, you know they they saw fit to give me a spot. I, I certainly uh, am grateful that they did. So quite quite some achievements. Well, we've we've got to go to commercial break now. So after the commercial break, we'll find a bit more about um, about yourself and and these other companies and what that's like. But also, I'd like to start to explore a bit more about um, the, the brain and what you've learned and how people can maybe uh, you know, manage their, their thinking in such a way that maybe what they see doesn't uh, uh, give them the wrong Im- Im- impression of what's really going on in the world. So I'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Isaac Lidsky, and we're talking about, about Eyes Wide Open. And just... Um, 
you know, probably in, in, intrigued, really. You went on from Harvard and you were uh, working in law. And how, how did you process all of those legal documents when you'd, you know, your vision was, you know, deteriorating? Yeah, so I use um, uh, technology called screen reading software, um, where uh, it's, it's, it's a program that essentially narrates my interaction with my computer or my smartphone or things like that. So, you know, read, read, read the text, sort of narrate, narrate sort of contextually the different menus and choices and all that stuff. And um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. I'm, I'm able really to do anything um, uh, I would need to do on a computer or smartphone um, using, using the software. And it seems that you, you're able to do things very, very quickly as well. I can see your mind works very quickly. Um, so, so are you actually able to read things or uh, hear things at a much higher speed than most people would read? Yeah, so the, the human organism is miraculous, right? And it's uh, infinitely adaptable. And so when you start taking in information through your ears, as I you know, have, as I lost my sight, and you know, listening to documents, um, you know, what happened uh, for me, which is a common experience uh, from, from what I've read, uh, you know, over time, I'm, I was just able to sort of keep nudging up the rate of uh, speed of the speech, right? So just you know, gradually over time, um, and those sort of those gradual increments add up. Uh, so that now I'm able to listen to documents uh, or books or you know whatever, um, sort of far more quickly than I ever could read them, uh, you know even when I had you know quote unquote normal sight. So uh, to put to put some numbers to it, I think the average U.S. English speaker speaks about 150 words a minute. Uh, I think the average uh, reader reads something like 350, 375 words a minute, and and I can listen to more than 700 words a minute, uh, which is pretty cool. Wow, amazing! And and you went on. You you founded a tech startup, and then you've uh, also uh, took turned over a, a failing construction subcontract, and you grew it to ten times larger. How, you know, how did you do that? I mean, did, was was the site a limitation in any way, or was it was yeah. an advantage? How did you deal with people as well? When people have got large numbers of employees, I imagine. So, you know, I think the, 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 the true answer always is, you know, who, who knows? We, we never really, we never have the opportunity to sort of test out the, uh, the alternative case, right? To see, you know, what, what life would be like, but for X, Y, or Z, it just kind of, it just is, which I think is pretty magical. But so, uh, I mean, I like that. I'm sure it's been, it's, I'm sure it's been a, a, a detractor in some respects. It's obviously a practical limitation. But I also like to think it's been very helpful for me in my business career. I know that uh, my, the work that I've done, uh, uh, to, you know, uh, overcome, uh, practical complexities, to overcome the emotional complexities, to, uh, be at peace with the sort of vulnerability that's inherent, uh, in, in going about the world, uh, as a blind person. Um, I think a lot of that work has, has, uh, translated into, uh, more meaningful and more productive relationships, uh, with colleagues, with, 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 with the management team, uh, and, and maybe, maybe an ability to be a more effective, uh, leader. I know that, uh, because I don't see, uh, you, know, you know, I obviously don't see things like gestures or facial expressions or nods and things like that. And so I've always been very insistent with my teams on uh, direct verbal feedback, uh, unequivocal verbal feedback. Um, and I think uh, it's it, it can be uh, bizarre. Bizarrely, it can be something that's seen seen as uh, sort of uncommon or or, or burdensome in, sort of in the first instance, but. Eventually, man, I, I swear by it, eventually it produces a lot more, uh, you know, again, a lot more meaningful communication, less opportunities to, uh, 
less opportunities to sort of fall, fall victim to ambiguities or, uh, or miscommunications, uh, things like that. So, I mean, you know, it, like I said, who, who knows overall, but I mean, uh, certainly uh, my blindness and what I've, what I've done to, 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 live, uh, uh, to live with my blindness is sort of part of who I am. And so, yeah, it's, it's part of who I am in all facets of my life, including, you know, as a business leader. And, and thinking about those business, if there were, you know, three, three tips that you would give somebody for, you know, who, who take is taking on a business or building one um, for success with that business, what would they be? You know, for me, I, you know, ultimately, uh, it's always been fair, fairly simple for me. What the the enterprise of leadership, what it, you know, what it means to be a leader is uh, is bringing together the right group of people, uh, uh, inspiring them to common purpose, common vision, common mission, uh, and, and, and empowering them to succeed, uh, really, uh, you know, understanding that first and foremost, it's your obligation, uh, to empower your team, to be able to, to succeed. And by the way, you know, your, uh, your success or your failure, you know, is theirs. Uh, and, uh, to me, it's just the clearest thing in the world that, uh, you know, uh, the buck stops with a leader when it comes to challenges or obstacles or setbacks, uh, you know, whereas the praise and, uh, you know, the effort, the burden, the, you know, the real work, the actual striving, you know, is done by the team. And, and uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So uh, for me, uh, if, if you get that right, if you get the, the right people together in common cause uh, who feel like they're part of something special, who are committed to, uh, you know, to doing something excellent together, uh, then I think uh, the rest is details. Uh, then, yeah. then you're unstoppable. Yes, yes. I, I remember my first graduate job. A sales director saying to me, it, it, it came over to my desk and and said, you know, Chris, I'm retiring this week, and you're just starting out your career. And could I give you a a learning from my career? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, I just want you to remember that people are everything. Yeah. And that's really stuck with me, and I think it's impacted what I do as a, as a career today. Um, but listening to you and that statement, it's, uh, it's very much about bringing people together in a common mission and inspiring them and, uh, and empowering them. So, you know, it is about people and ultimately your, your customers are people as well. I think sometimes that gets forgotten. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. Even still in this world in this day and age, it's okay to, to say, uh, we, you know, we, we exist because we want to make, uh, the lives of our customers, of our clients, uh, better, easier. We want to help them succeed, you know, fill in the blank. And, and we, we take pride in that. We take joy in that. And that's, that's why we do what we do. Uh, it's almost like a quaint, uh, a quaint notion these days. It seems too naive to, to, to say it out loud, but, uh, my philosophy is it's, it, you know, that, that you don't need to apologize for, uh, uh, for, for, for taking that approach in your business affairs and, and how you conduct yourself, um, and how, how focused have you always been on the numbers? You know, because modern leadership is about hitting the numbers. You know, by September we need to have this in and this in. And um, does does the, the focus on the people does that surpass that, or does that? Uh... Well, I'm a firm. You know, the, the, what is the saying? You may, you can only manage what you can measure. There's no there's just no doubt about that. So if you don't if you are not keeping the right data and tracking the right metrics, then you just you don't know how your business is doing and you know you're, you're lost before you've you've begun so in that respect i'm huge on numbers you know that 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 said i mean numbers uh, are important but life has a way of being messy and intervening and uh i i you know 
man, I think uh, every I, I think every single year we came short of uh, target numbers. For example, in, in any business I've been a part of, we you know we've nonetheless gone ahead and paid out you know 100% of bonuses, uh, uh, just because you know again life is mis- is messy, and I, I can't see taking a team of uh, hardworking, dedicated people who are there to. Uh, 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 you know, try, try to uh, to bring success to your organization and, and, and sort of punishing them for the things that are beyond their control. So, um, I do I do think the numbers are very important. I think you got to you know you you, you can't uh, uh, pretend that things are going well when they're not. You can't pretend that people are performing well when they're not. You know, that's uh, frankly you owe it to the rest of the team to to uh, to be vigilant about those things. But 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 numbers only tell part of the story. Yeah, great. So let's let's go back to you know this this work you've done around you know, kind of around the brain and it, how, how does the brain work when it comes to sight? And, uh, you know, what have we, you know, what have you really taken from that? That can be very helpful for other people who may be sighted or unsighted to move forward. Yeah. So think about this. So there's the, the, the spectrum of electromagnetic radiation, as we call it, right? There's the, sort of the spectrum of, uh, of energy, right? One ten trillionth of that, so not not much of it at all. One ten trillionth uh, of the sort of uh, spectrum of electromagnetic radi- radiation um, is is that is the microscopic sliver that actually agitates the retinas of our of our eyeballs, right? That our, our eyeballs respond to that. So we uh, rather uh, rather boldly refer to that sliver as the visible spectrum. The one ten trillionth of electromagnetic uh, radiation makes the back of our eyes jiggle. Uh, sends some data to the visual cortex uh, of the brain, which is about a third of the brain by volume. Then just a tremendous amount of uh, inherently sort of subjective, personal, virtual, quote-unquote, human stuff happens uh, in your brain where this, uh, this data, these you know, pic- pixels essentially, um, are put through all sorts of filters uh, uh, to, to, to sort of make some conceptual sense of it, uh, with reference to your memories, your opinions, your emotions, as I was saying earlier, about 90% of what's going on in the brain uh, to create this sort of magical experience of sight has, has nothing to do with data from the eyes, uh, or, or at least is, is, is uh, uh, to put more precisely, is, is sort of the processing of that data in other regions uh, of the brain. And yet, despite all this, uh, uh, think about what the experience of sight feels like, right? You, you, you literally, you open your eyes and you just, it's just immediate, it's passive, there's the world, and it's just, you're so convinced uh, that you are seeing some kind of objective truth when, you know, again, uh, that's madness. You're, you're seeing some abstracted representation of one ten trillionth of, you know, electromagnetic radiation in a universe that, uh, you know, I assure you, we do not see in any meaningful way. We, we have no, there's no meaningful sense in which uh, we or, or or any other creature, I think, for that matter, has, you know, sort of knows what 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 anything you know, quote unquote, looks like. Um, and yet, it's so that illusion is so convincing. So, the, and the reason why I'm going on and on and on and on about that is because uh, you know, that's the illusion that I got to literally see break apart in my eyes. And what was amazing for me was the realization that, like, that for me at least, really is such a good metaphor for like the human uh, condition, like you, what what human existence is like uh, in totality. I mean, that's what we do all day long. We tell ourselves uh, stories, and if we're not careful, we, you know, we we believe them. We we tell ourselves, you know, stories about uh, about ourselves, about our circumstances, about others, right? Assumptions, biases, uh, shortcuts, justifications, you know, all these things. Uh, 
uh, and um, you know what what separates uh, uh, truth versus uh, you know untruth or whatever in in, in, in sort of the way we live our lives uh, ultimately really comes down to choice, uh, which is a remarkable remarkable thing. I, like I was saying earlier, it's 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 an ultimate it's the ultimate power that we have, and if we you know if we can see fit to uh, to use it wisely, as I have been blessed to do in a lot of my life, uh, the rewards are are endless. Uh, they really are. So, so what you're saying there is that you you should challenge what you're seeing and how you how you're interpreting it really, not not, not the interpretation of it. You should, you should absolutely, but but beyond that, you should challenge everything. Challenge everything you say to yourself. I can't do that. Anytime you hear, well, wait a minute. Why can't I do that? Who decided I can't do that? When where did this idea that I can't do that come into my head? Um, I'm to this. Well, says who? I'm not enough of that. Says you know says who? This person is uh, mean or, or great or the worst or the best or, uh, you know, all these narratives that we, we, we tell ourselves uh, of our own making and, frankly, a, a lot more that we're sort of, uh, you know, fed by society and by those around us. Right? We're sort of barraged with these, with these cues of these stories. Uh, and and so stories are the currency of, uh, of humanity, right? That's, it's just sort of our, it's our operating language. It's how we, it's how we process everything. And so... Uh, uh, when we sit back and, and, and don't realize that, 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 uh, we're implicitly signing on to sort of story after story after story, uh, you know, that, that's a sort of a recipe for living a very passive life, you know, one of, uh, sort of, one sort of reaction and, and, and one of happenstance, uh, what, what's sort of that, you know, that matrix moment for me, well, really, you know, born of, of losing my sight, as, you know, as I described, was realizing that, well, wait a minute. It's, I'm not just. I'm not just. Uh, uh, I'm not just sort of witnessing this, uh, this 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 barrage of stories that goes by every day. Um, I, I'm I'm the author. I'm writing every single one of these stories, uh, and I can choose how I want to write. And I can cho- choose how to write them differently, uh, and I you know and I can ultimately choose uh, it, you know in in, in in that respect how how I want to live my life and who I want to be. And it's it's a choice that you can reaffirm literally every single moment, uh, which is such a wonderful thing. Yeah, and, and what? So, what's practically the best approach to do this? Is it is it journaling, keeping a book, note, you know, keeping a book, or uh, so, what are you doing? And what, how do you, how know, do you go about it? We we, we I we were talking about fear uh, a, a bit ago, and so let, let's take fear as sort of one example of a way in which you know you can you can develop techniques to to sort of take back control over your reality. So. You know, it, when in, in times of fear, in times of crisis, I really try to focus on two like super simple questions. What is what precisely is my problem right now? Right, broken into its most discrete, specific, manageable form. What is the problem I'm facing right this second? Not down the road. No, you know, future foreboding. No doom and gloom. Uh, and then the second question is, what precisely can I do about it? Right, because uh, I think uh, in 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 times of fear, in times of crisis, we we uh, you know the, the uh, we, we fill in, uh, the, the most awful scenario. We fill in, we fill in that what we fear our dark imaginings for, you know, for, for where we have ignorance, for where we have, you know, our blind, our sort of metaphorical blind spots on, uh, on, on what's going on in the world, uh, around us. And so, it, and in, and in doing that, we, we often, I think, manifest for ourselves, these heroes and villains, right. It's tempting to, to point to other people in our lives and, and say, well, look, you know, I, I can, I can blame these folks for these circumstances or celebrate those or pray, you know, pray that these people over here will, will rescue me or save me. And, and, and meanwhile, what you, what, you know, what, what your fear has done is it's sort of conveniently, uh, uh, kept you, uh, kept you on the sideline, right? It's sort of, uh, you're, you're out of the game before you even start. 
Um, and so we, what, what I do in the face of fear, I focus on those two questions. As I was saying, I try to be really clear with, you know, again, am I seeing here, have, have I created heroes and villains for myself where, where they don't exist? And, and there's a, uh, you know, a spoiler alert there. They never exist. <laughs> they're, they're, they're never real. They're always in your mind. Um, you know, and, and, and just sort of most fundamentally, um, I think this, there's sort of a zealous, uh, you really have to sort of practice a zealous commitment to sort of policing the line between that which you uh, truly know and that which you just think you know. Because those things that we think we know, uh, but we don't really know, that, that we get ourselves into a lot of trouble uh, with, with the things that we sort of quickly sort of put in that bucket. Oh, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm, I'm pretty sure I know that to be true. Um, and often um, the things that we put in that bucket are, are, are far from truth. Mm, okay, so so uh, question, questions, asking yourself some powerful questions that uh, can help you realize the the reality of the situation, not what you yeah. maybe perceived it to be. And we're yeah. going to go to commercial break again now. Um, it's that time already, and after the commercial break, we shall be back with uh, more of Isaac Litsky. Litsky. We'll follow a, a little bit more around you know dealing with fear, and then I'm really keen to understand about Isaac's new new venture, his latest venture, which. Uh, is uh, something a little bit different, uh, which is not surprising looking at his CV. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Isaac Lidsky. We're talking about Eyes Wide Open. And I was just saying to Isaac during the break, and we were talking about fear and uh, asking yourself questions. And uh, I've gone through a little bit of fear, and I have a little bit of fear in me at the moment, because in in six weeks' time, I'm doing uh, Scotland's toughest one-day endurance event, um, which is a a quadrathlon, the Artemis Great Kendrocket Quadrathlon in Loch Tay. And it's meant that I have had to learn how to swim, for example, in September, I could only do uh, about half a length of front crawl, and uh, I managed to get myself up to two kilometres this morning without stopping, which is a huge, huge shift. It was 
I was 10 weeks ago, I was thinking, how on earth am I going to do this? But I've got, um, besides the fears of things like um, um, myself, my colleague Mike, um, having to climb over seven mountains in the uh, in the running section, as well as kayaking and and swimming, the so kayaking and and cycling, uh, the 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 fear of uh, swimming in open water and having to front crawl and look into uh, into the murky depths of uh, a lock, uh, which is a kilometre deep, uh, and also my I've got a class on on open water swimming on Sunday. So I'm wondering, how do you overcome those sorts of things, Isaac? What sort of questions can you say to yourself to you know overcome those fears that might creep into your mind that there might be something about to eat you down there or when when something brushes your leg and makes you nervous you know i'm sort of imagining that for me could be a little bit like you know your experiences you'd lost your sight um because my vision will disappear as i I, as i peer into these murky depths oh yeah so i mean i think i have an advantage uh, in that respect it's obviously something i'm i'm rather uh, rather comfortable with uh, being <laughs> without being without visual input um you know again it's that it'd be, what precisely is my problem and what can i do about it we're we're, we're so inherently visual uh, creatures you know we're so hardwired uh uh for sight as i was saying there's a third of our brain by volume uh sort of visual processing can claim as much as two-thirds uh, of the brain's processing resources at any, uh, at any time. And so uh, it's no wonder that we have this sort of visceral uh, belief that uh, visual data is supreme. There's a primacy to, uh, to, to be able, being able to see. But uh, I, can only, I can only suggest to you that in my experience, uh, it's, somewhat, uh, it's somewhat arbitrary. Look, I mean, obviously sight is hugely helpful. I would, I'd love to be able to see uh, again someday. And, and, and obviously there's a lot of practical realities to uh, not having it in this world. Um, but it really, it really just is a piece of information. Uh, and it's, it's one among, uh, many, many that, uh, that we get that, that ultimately sort of shape the sort of the realities we experience. Um, and so anyway, uh, I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, go, go for a nice swim, keep your eyes closed. You're going to love it. Absolutely. Well, I'll draw, I'll draw on the inspiration from you. Uh, I think that's what I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll think, think about you. Um, I, I must have, I think, uh, uh, I, I found with the swimming actually now just forgetting about the stroke and just getting in mentally into, uh, into the right place and getting into flow and then it, it kind of happens automatically. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm also kind of really you know, intrigued about, you know, what's next for you. And you, you have, you have you know, done all of these amazing things. You're still incredibly young. I think you, you're around about 40. Is that correct? I, sir, I will turn 40 in July. That's correct. 40 in July. So you're, you're sort of clinging on to your thirties at the moment. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It'll come soon. And then, then, then it'll be your fifties. It just, uh, it just happens, I'm afraid. Um, but, uh, so what, what's next? You're, you're working on blockchain, I believe. Tell us about that. And yeah. So, you know, um, I, uh, as I mentioned, studied math and computer science in college, long been fascinated by both of those fields and really uh, was sort of blown away by uh, this sort of miraculous new invention, this new tool for, for humanity called uh, called blockchain, which we saw first sort of uh, in the guise of or, or sort of wrapped up as a component in, in sort of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, of course, of course being the, 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 the sort of seminal uh, invention or whatever, but from you know, from there on, blockchain uh, has you know come to be a, a more powerful, more sort of uh, general purpose tool. Sort of you know, uh, extends far beyond uh, sort of just sort of the cryptocurrency uh, application. So anyway, long story shorter, uh, um, 
the digital marketing industry, meanwhile, the independent digital marketing industry, and when I say independent, I pretty much mean everybody other than you know Facebook and Google, and their uh, you know their associated uh, sub brands or whatever. Um, is you're really facing existential crisis these days. Uh, you've got a lot of different technology providers that all try to sort of band together to offer a sort of robust uh, alternative to these sort of walled gardens of Facebook and Google. Uh, and the problem is that the, the sort of the internet architecture uh, that that they're sort of relying upon was never really designed to uh, to do that work. Um, so uh, blockchain t- turns out to be a phenomenal uh, new hope for the independent digital marketing industry. It's a, it's a way for, uh, for disparate uh, entities to collaborate, to, to sort of uh, synchronize their computational efforts um, uh, and, and, and to do things like ensure data integrity and, and, and uh, protect people's privacy, um, you know, while again, uh, hopefully uh, having a fighting chance to uh, 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 sort of outlive the um, uh, methodical onslaught of the, uh, of the, of the walled gardens. <laughs> I mean, it's quite interesting. People talk about talk about it there's a lot of people don't really understand it and it came out it came out of bitcoin is that correct yeah so blockchain technology i mean i think blockchain is really s- still as a as a you know as a uh, sort of as a species i guess we're still just starting to fully understand uh the magnitude of what it means and how we might how we might use it as you say i mean it, it sort of came into existence as an invention sort of buried within something called bitcoin in 2008 i think it was it was hollow october 31st 2008 uh, Bitcoin white paper first uh, came out, um, and it was very much you know uh, uh, blockchain uh, and Bitcoin you know, and cryptocurrency sort of are you know, one and the same. Um, it really wasn't until you saw some work later, uh, 2014, I believe, in particular, a, a brilliant uh, a 19-year-old uh, computer scientist named Vitalik Buterin in 2014 sort of started started to see that sort of buried within this Bitcoin cryptocurrency model. Uh, were some uh, new new models for how you could sort of uh, uh, dis- distribute computation across broad networks of of independent actors without needing uh, to rely upon intermediaries, without you know needing to rely upon sort of centralized authorities to sort of mitigate uh, the communications among these among these large networks. Um, and so he uh, he largely through something called Ethereum and, and an organization now called Consensus, you know, they they, they did a lot of the work to take what was, you know, again, really all about cryptocurrency and make it more about a uh, sort of a revolution in, in computing. Um, and then it's still early days, right? So we're, we're, we're still figuring out what, what all that means and what it looks like. Um, uh, my suspicion is that, you know, for digital marketing in the short term and some other, some other projects we have our eye on sort of uh, in the midterm, uh, you know, blockchain will do, will do great, great things. Excellent. And, you know, on the scale of things, just to in a sense of this i mean i remember you know getting an email address and uh, kind of wondering what it was years ago uh, and then um, people talking about the internet and some people were sort of saying oh, i don't think that's going to catch on um but on the scale of things how big an impact do you think blockchain might have you know proportionally to things like you know, the huge huge i think it gives us a chance essentially to it gives us a shot essentially to reconceptualize and, and sort of have another go at uh at, at an internet uh, that from a technological perspective, from a human perspective at the human level, um, will hopefully uh, uh, embody more of our, of our higher ideals uh, and our greater aspirations and will hopefully uh, help to mitigate some of our more uh, baser, uh, baser instincts, which, uh, which, have given, which have been given free reign uh, in, in, in too much of uh, the Internet these days. So um, I think it's huge. I, you know, I think, um, think blockchain is going to change the world. I think it already, uh, it's already begun to do so. 
I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, well, I, I think in terms of what you were saying there about the sort of base of elements of the internet and the amount of uh, people who are trying to you know, seem to be defrauding, um, you know, people of their their assets and wealth and trying to exploit that uh, in, in a system that can can stop that would or reduce it would be extremely helpful. That's what I have. That is what I have dedicated myself to professionally, my friend. Really? So that is that your sort of vision moving forward to to make a a major impact for people to help people's lives because this can destroy people. Yes, and, and it's at the simplest level of I'm a father of four children. I have eight year old triplets, and I have a three year old. Uh, as I told you in, in, in 1999, I started in an internet advertising technology business. I was around when, you know, the internet was new and exciting and, and I saw the promise of it and we, you know, we, we celebrated it. Uh, and yet here we are 20 years later and the thought of my children interacting with, uh, uh, with the internet is terrifying to me. Uh, and that's just not okay. It shouldn't, that just shouldn't be the case. Um, and you know, I have some, some theories on, you know, Who's to blame? I think we're all ultimately to blame. We all, you know, we all bear some responsibility, but um, you know, certainly there have been just tremendous amounts of, of power and wealth amassed, uh, not, not, not with our best interests at heart. Um, and so, uh, you know, you know, again, that makes me, as a father, that makes me frustrated. So I, I, I went from, you know, being, being angry and frustrated to saying, well, maybe there's, maybe I should actually try to do something productive about it. Um, and, and that's really largely the motivation for my current, uh, current business endeavors, I should say. Uh, I, I love that and contributing to humanity. And what, what um, you know, what are your sort of aspirations for your children? And how do you, how do you, being a a busy man, how do you, you know, ensure that you kind of keep that sort of balance and and uh, you know keep close to the what's important? Oh, I mean, my uh, my children are everything to me and my wife, and so it's easy because you know they're. They are priorities, you know, one through one through a hundred. Uh, what, what we want for them is we want them to be happy. We want them to be good people. Um, you know, we we, we want them to uh, uh, understand that uh, you know we all have differences to celebrate, and that uh, everyone's entitled to grace uh, and love, and and uh, you know that, that we live in a world that's got far too much. Uh, hate and meanness and greed and, and, and could use a lot more patience uh, uh, and empathy. So that's that's what we try to teach our children. Yeah, uh, yeah, very important. Well, something I, I found very helpful with my, my children was um, sitting down with them and creating a set of family values and a yeah. mission statement for the, for the family that we, we all kind of buy into. Yeah, uh, I love that try, idea. Try and live by and then we can hold each other to account so you know we do things you know kindness is one of our principles so you know we've done things for kind of homeless people when the children have been you know seen them in the streets and i've as the leader of the family i've had to think well what can we do and uh, and this sort of quadrathlon that i'm doing for for help uh, mercy corps and and an amazing charity called mary's meals it's you know it's partly driven out of that kindness and wanting to inspire my kids that anything's possible um, wonderful that's uh, yeah, that's something that's working working well for us as a family. So we've got um, we've got just um, about four minutes to until commercial break now. Sorry, not commercial break till the end of the show. It's uh, gone that quickly. And I just wonder if you've got any any sort of final messages that you'd like to leave us with, either. If, um, Isa. No, you know I, I uh, you know for for me really again. You know, I, I, I wrote uh, the book and there's a lot of, you know, obviously 
different ideas and ins and outs and particulars that you know that I go through. But the the, the fundamental concept that I really urge folks to 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 think about, uh, you know, is a simple one, which is, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds try choose to be happy, but um, you know, again. Y- y- uh, it, 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 it's up to you, right? I mean, if, if you want to live, uh, if you want to live with, uh, with anger, with resentment, if you want to live with a sense of, uh, bitterness or, or, uh, uh, that you've been aggrieved, uh, you know, these are all choices that you can make. These are choices that many, too many people make. Um, but it, it, it in my life experience, it, 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 it's just as easy to make very different choices for yourself. Uh, and it ultimately starts with, again, you know, what's your purpose, what's your intent, uh, what, what is it that you're aiming to, uh, accomplish as a, you know, as a colleague, as a, as a parent, as a, as a spouse. And so, uh, yeah, I, I encourage folks to, to, to live and lead eyes wide open. Yeah. I absolutely loved uh, talking to you and, and hearing your story and the way that you have, you know, chosen to embrace life and, uh, not, uh, you know, not read, um, negativity into it but uh you know program your mind to see things uh, positively see things as as they are and then you know go out into the world and, and and achieve and and do things and also you know i love your ethos as well to wanting to contribute to humanity and leave it a better place and create a better place for your for your children in the future with your endeavors with uh, with blockchain so yeah huge, hugely inspired to talk to you today isaac You've, Thank uh, you. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Yeah, I hope um, left lots of people with, uh, with their eyes wide open. And I really recommend it's it's a great book. It's uh, a really uh, one that has been had huge accolades. And I know that um, Isaac is in huge demand and speaking all over the world. He's on a TED talk as well that you can find on the on the internet on this. Uh, and it's a real honour to do a do a TED talk. So do go and check out all of that information and content. Um, if you're um, if you're interested, I mentioned um, in, in supporting my endeavours with uh, Mercy Corps and Mary's Meals. If you've loved the show, it'd be so grateful if anyone would um, go to virginmoneygiving.com slash team slash quad 100. You can hear the story, read the story there, myself and Mike Pagan and what we're doing and putting ourselves through to um, to help those uh, charities. So if you'd like to read that and, and you felt uh, you'd like to give a little bit to that, that would be just amazing. So wish you all well. Next week's show, we're going to talk about stakeholder engagement. Uh, we've got uh, Alex Catmore and we've got um, his colleague uh, Nelly who's joining us to uh, discuss the subject of how do we really, when we've got big change projects in organisations, how do we engage people and enrol them and, and move these projects forward? And these guys are experts from undertaking and delivering massive projects. So do join us next week. Uh, once again, huge thank you to Isaac Litsky. Go to litsky.com as well and you can check out lots of information there as to what Isaac is, is up to and doing. Thanks very much. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.